Hi and welcome to episode 30 of ACR Tour Tales, the podcast from RCD Radio and me, Sam Steen. Um, this week is actually a bit of a bumper week for the podcast. We'll have or oh, at least four episodes out. Uh, so today my guest is Tom from uh, a band called Blossoms. Now, they are very, very much on the rise. They were um, put on the BBC Sound of 2016 list. They supported the Stone Roses over the summer, and now they're playing here in Luxembourg uh, at Rotund. That gig is going to be on, on Sunday, the 5th of February. And uh, they're supporting their debut album, which is called Blossoms as well. Uh, really, really nice guys, a really cool band, and uh, a band with a lot of lot of plans and confidence in where they're going in the future. I really enjoyed this chat, uh, talking about the album and just about the music industry and and how the guys are getting on. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, if you do enjoy it, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can just do that very easily on iTunes or you can follow us on SoundCloud. And if you rate and comment and, uh, and all those things, it'll really help other people to discover the podcast as well. So without further ado, the rest of the interview with Tom from Blossoms. Hi, Sam. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate that. No worries, mate. Um, right, well, I guess we'll just kind of launch right into it, if that's all right, and chat about uh, chat about the record. It's obviously something that you guys are really proud of. Do you mind maybe just telling me at what point it was that you realised that you had an absolute belter of a record on your hands? Um, we, well, the way we did it, we built up the singles before we even had a record deal, before yeah. we knew we were going on an album. So songs like... Charlemagne and Blown Rose were kind of done before we had a record deal and we knew it was going on an album. So I think we were always confident in the in the songs and the sing, like singles, I suppose. So we always wanted an album full of singles. So I think once we had like six great songs already, we thought, well, when the album comes, it's going to continue that kind of vibe. And I think when, when it was finished, we, were like, this is, we felt like every track was a, was a great track and we did have something special and we were dead proud of it, like you say. Yeah, and was it... Uh, was it a case of just you yourselves enjoying the songs and realizing the quality of them, or was it just because they were singles? You know, you could gauge other people's reactions, and you you guys were playing gigs already at that point, anyway. So, yeah, I think I think you're a bit of both. Like, we show people the songs, like close people around us, to get an opinion, and people's opinions who we worked with, and everyone seemed to just be really liking the songs we were coming up with, and we did, and. A song like Charlemagne was probably the breakthrough song, which then spawned a lot of the new songs after that, like At Most A Kiss, Honey Sweet, Getaway, uh, Deep Grass, Smash Pianos and stuff like that. They're all mm-hmm. written in like a two or three month period, which was, then once you get one, a lot can follow after that. Like It can happen like that, I suppose, they come in like waves. So I think we were just that confident, yeah, people around us were saying, these are great songs and reacting really positively to them. Tell us a bit about recording the the record then, because uh, did did you were you signed before you'd written and recorded all of the songs, or did that come a little bit afterwards? No, no, like we were um, we'd record like blow, cut me now, bleed, blown rose, Charlemagne before we had a record deal, yeah. and then we were just building up singles. So then once we once they had Charlemagne, that was kind of the people were like sniffing around us and once we once we had Charlemagne they wanted to make it an album I suppose so then we we went in to record the rest after that like Texia, Honey Sweet, Deep Grass, onto her but you know like the rest of the songs on the album. Yeah, so yeah. it's kinda of half and half I suppose. And did things change in the in the way that you recorded and the way that you worked once you had been signed? Were they asking you to do anything different or to you know, no, did they have any they kind of say? Completely to it. 
That's no, they let, let us do exactly what we'd done because because we'd already recorded songs like Charlemagne and Blown Rose on our own. It was like we had a formula already, and we already had the producers and stuff like that. So we just went in and continued two two days on one song and and just kept doing it like that. And because we did it over a couple of months, because we was always on the road, so I'd be writing at home when I got the chance, but we weren't rehearsing because we was always we were always playing live. So we'd go in the studio and kind of build the tracks in there for like. A skeleton I had of a song I had, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of that was a different approach to like something like Blown Rose or Charlemagne, which was rehearsed in the rehearsal room with us five. That I'd, I'd roll it home, bring it to them, and then we'd, we'd like jam it out. Whereas something like Getaway or Honey Sweet was kind of I'd bring it into the studio and we'd just start recording it from scratch, not really knowing where it was going to go, but it was kind of don't know, it opened up another door that way in terms of like keyboard sounds and stuff like that. You have more time to mess about don't even try stuff yeah well that's really interesting actually because you know you're talking about how you were constantly on the road and stuff like that while you were still writing and recording the record because you seem to just i i know this doesn't it isn't the way it happens but it seems that you just sort of arrived as a fully formed band who had been you know it couldn't have just been you got together you all of a sudden wrote these songs and then you're on the road what was it that you know pushed you out there and got you those gigs all around that you're able to constantly be playing so much before even having a record out there? Um, well, luckily enough, like a year before we got the record deal, so in like 2014 summer, we got our managers, like they were with now, like great management, who we wanted, kind of, we wanted them to be our managers. We'd heard about them and stuff like that, and kind of, they ended up hearing about us and came to a show and liked us, so they became our managers, and quickly after they became uh, the managers, they they got 13 artists as our booking agents quite quickly, who obviously booked like the Arctic Monkeys and stuff like that. Yeah. So they were booking us tours and we were just self-funding it. Like, luckily enough, like our manager helps out a lot with that and any money we made from the shows, we just put back into being on the road, like living in, just like sleeping on the tour bus and stuff like that and just gigging up and down the country. And we like quit our jobs at the time, like part-time jobs and stuff. So we kind of, we done it on our own for about a year without management. Then we did and the booking agent at the same time. We we did that for like a year, so we were just constantly on the road and had shows booked. And in the meantime, we were going into the studio to record with James Skelly and kept putting out singles, I suppose, and just generated that kind of an old-fashioned way, do you know what I mean, up and down the country. Yeah, it, it's, it really does sound like, a, you know, doing it the the old way. It's uh, it's great that it's, it's working for you, you know, I mean, and, and it's clearly paying off. What was the point then that you just thought, right, this is this is working, this is where we can pack in these jobs? Well, when we got the booking agent and management and they booked us, because we were getting time off work, it looked like, thankfully, at the time, the, the people we worked for were letting us have the time off, but then it, we had a, a, a tour booked for like a whole month away, and it was like, <laughs> well, this is the time now, you can't have just the odd weekend off when the show was where it was like we were away for a month, so we just took the plunge and, and just quit. Yeah. And we were kind of like, skin all the time, do you know what I mean? Asking your mum for a tenner and stuff like that. And we had no money, we didn't really do anything other than the band. We couldn't really, we had no money to really go out and drink or do no holidays or anything like that. It was literally just get your head down. But it was never like, oh, what if it doesn't work with the band? We, had, we kind of always had that self-belief that we were going somewhere and we believed in the songs. It was kind of like, it was just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. We just had something where we just felt like it was going to happen. And talking about bumming tenors off your mum, you know, was there was there a case or a point when they, your parents or your, the rest of the guys' parents were kind of saying, all right, lads, just stick with the job now and 
we'll see how this works. No, out, look, thankfully, we, they were all dead supporters, which is kind of a rare thing as well, which kind of why it works so well, because we're all very similar in that sense. Like They're all dead supporters, and they kind of were just like, yeah, they, they were really behind it and stuff like that, so we're very grateful for that. They, they helped us out a lot. And I guess it helps when you're like that. I guess it helps as well when you start getting big support slots fairly early on in your career too. Well, that's that's a big thing as well because that's how you get get you get appealing to a wider fan base, doesn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, and then when we when we got when the record label did sign us, then you start getting on the radio more and stuff like that. Takes it to a whole new level. So it's a number of things like that. Just the timing just worked kind of perfectly for us, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just to talk about the support slots, obviously you supported James and things like that, but. Again, then when you started getting played on the radio and you started, well, when you had that gig with the the Stone Roses, that must have just been mind-blowing, you know? It's a, a fairly close enough to homecoming gig, you know, with a massive band in a huge arena like that. I mean, it just must have been hard. To, uh, do you remember much of it? Yeah, it was um, just a great moment for us. Like, me and Joe were Man City fans as well, so... <laughs> It was a double thing for us because we'd gone to watch the Stone Roses a couple of years before as fans and then you're there supporting them. It's kind of surreal. And like my parents were at Spike Island in, in 1990 and then they were there watching me support them. So full circle, really. Can't really get any more surreal. But you no, know, you kind of just live in the moment, don't you? And it just happens and then it's gone. It's like, wow. Yeah. That was crazy. And it's uh, one thing that I, I think is really interesting about you guys is that apart from you know the confidence in the record that you have you seem to be really confident in where you guys can go and you seem to have a plan it's not just oh we'll put out this record and we'll tour and we'll see what happens you guys seem to know that you want to try different things and 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 work on different things and work towards being in the business for a long time definitely i think longevity is where we um where we see success do you know what i mean and continued body of work which is which we think of a great standard and songs we love and connect with people and just yeah just continue what we started really we, we want longevity like we don't feel like we've made it at all yet there's a long way to go so but i think we're confident in ourselves and it's exciting yeah so like w- what is the next step you know if you don't mind me asking i know it's it's a long way off and you're, you're still supporting the debut record and things like that but what do you you know just for a band and for your own plan where do you go from from here? Where like what, what is the next step up? Um, I don't know. You always like if you don't know where the band's gonna go. Like the, the sounds already evolved so much from the first single we put out. Do you know what I mean from like below yeah. to Charlemagne? We've we've evolved so. But, but the minute it becomes contrived and pre-thought, then it doesn't. It won't be natural. So I can't really say. I think we're excited for uh, just a lot of like we're very into our keyboard sounds and stuff at the moment and mm. stuff like that and I've been listening to a lot of like you know, like the Drive soundtrack you know, the movie Drive yeah that soundtrack is amazing yeah it's great sound, yeah so stuff like that is kind of we touched upon it with Honey Sweet a little bit so maybe there's a darker side to that and stuff but that, that's just a little thing that I'm interested in so I think that'll bleed into the songwriting but then you're always going to have that pop sensibility which is ingrained into my songwriting which will never go away so yeah. it'll always be poppy I think but even just away from music, just in terms of like how the band is and, and, and the sort of level that you're at, do you kind of look at different, you know, when you're booking for festivals and things like that, do you start looking at the slots that you're on at and the days that you're playing on and the venues that you're playing mm. in and the, and the kind of, you know, the, all mm. the stuff you bring on tour? 
not so much at the moment. I think other people kind of do that. Like the booking agents think yeah. we'll get the best slots they think for us. They've done a great job so far. So you kind of put you put the ball in their park and you trust them on it. Um, in terms of crew, we've got like a great crew around us now, and everyone kind of runs like clockwork. So I think we're it's constantly growing, though, isn't it? I suppose like we are. The, the on-stage thing, we always want to grow and make it great live and have great lights and make sure the stage looks great and stuff like that. So I think that's somewhere we'd like to expand in the future when, when, that's, a, when that's a possibility. Yeah. It's funny, all the different kind of extra bits and stuff like that that I, I suppose you don't really think about when you first start playing in a band, do you? Not at all, yeah. It's great. We always have that kind of moment sometimes. It's like when we, us five, it's only us five who cared or knew about the band just rehearsing in the like in our rehearsal room and then we're having conversations about like stuff to do with the lights on stage and that it's like it's got so serious now it's kind of <laughs> it's crazy when you when you think about it they're they're the little upgrades on the way because he's always he's always bigger and better isn't he, I suppose yeah and what was the um you know I've, I've read that you guys have a lot of you guys have known each other for a very long time but sometimes that can make it a little bit harder you know when you go and you bring the songs that you've written to your mates, you know, especially when some of the songs are, are, are quite personal. Was that difficult at any point to, you know, just to, to, to open um, up about things like that? Not really, because out of anyone I'd want to open up to, it's probably people like, they're the people who, who are with me all the time, so they know a lot about my life anyway, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I am quite private, like, there's only so much you can't, you can keep to yourself. If, you, if We live in each other's pockets all the time, so we all know what's going on in each other's lives. So I don't think when they say a, a personal song about a relationship, I have I've actually don't, it's not a surprise to them. Do you know what I mean? They know. Yeah. They probably know that I was feeling like that anyway. They just, I suppose they just see it more in black and white, don't they? And they, they get more of an insight than they probably would have had. But I don't know, that's, I think they're, and in terms of the songs, like Melody and stuff, they're fans of like, we're into the same music, like the melodies and stuff like that. So they're they're a fa- we're fans of our own fans. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. the songs I always bring, the ones that I want to show them, I always think they're. I don't know. They always like them. So yeah, is that like? Good. Do you sort of when you're writing the songs, would you have stuff that you would you know that would you get them to a certain level before showing them to the other ones or would you show them work in progress that they can kind of help in on or I'm struggling trying to find a way in to finish this or like that? No, nah, it's usually finished. Yeah. This is the way we've always done it. I don't like, done it in the past where maybe I'd, I'd bring, say I've, I've had a, an idea that exact day and I've shown them and then it starts to bounce around a bit. It doesn't really work, do you know what I mean? It's kind of, I don't know. Too many cooks. I think, yeah, yeah, and then it just goes about and then never really goes anywhere. It's better if someone's got a vision. And being me, I I write the songs, so it's usually I'll have a a kind of a, a basic vibe where I think it should go, and and then 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 when they chip in, it's kind of it brings it to life more, and it's a a bit more clear where we should take it. Do you know what I mean? As, as opposed to showing them a, a, an unfinished thing, it's just, nine times out of ten, it's it's, it's like it's all there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you said Words, that... Words, melody, chords, and all that. Oh, really? Like, the, pretty much the whole tune is done and then just sort of build on on your, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they put their parts on. Obviously, I would never write bass lines and stuff like that, but then they'll put it... Just like a lot of, a lot of bands who have a main song, right? that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, coll- a collective thing. Like, it wouldn't just be writing me on my own. I mean, it wouldn't be the same. Because everyone's influences get bleed into the song, but, but the song itself is... 
yeah, I, I have it all done. Absolutely. And the hooks a lot of the time, like, you know, the hook on Charlemagne, I'll write that as well. Yeah. On, like, the keyboard at home and stuff like that. I usually have the main hooks to the songs, stuff like that. But, yeah, and it's the way we work and it works, so. You you mentioned how, um, you know, they're generally, you know, they'll know pretty much all of the stuff that's going on in your life, so they, you know... You're, you're totally fine with mentioning and talking about the subject matters. What about the people who are the subject matters of the songs? Have they ever come back to you and went, that's about me, isn't it? Yeah, I think, well, usually by the time they make it into a song, I'm not really talking to him anymore. So <laughs> if I bump into him, then they know. Yeah, like kind of said. Yeah. It can, I mean, I imagine it could be quite, you know, nostalgic or upsetting. And people have said that to me before, but... It's just the way it is, isn't it? I suppose people we might might it might generate a nice feeling from them and think, oh yeah, because I'm not really saying anything really harsh in it. It's kind of a lot of it's longing for stuff and saying quite. I mean, it's a bit melancholy. It's not like mean. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, people people know it's about them when it when it when, when they hear it. I think. Well. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time I, re- I really do appreciate that I'm, I'm enjoying the album very much and I can't wait to see you guys playing live you're here in, uh, in February at the start of, start of the month yeah awesome great well best, great. Of, luck. best of luck with the rest of the tour and, uh, and yeah thanks so much Thanks to Tom and thanks to you for listening to this episode of ACR Tour Tales. As I said, this is a bumper week for the podcast. Later on, we're going to have interviews with Future of the Left. We will have the Temper Trap on. Uh, We will have a Belgian band called Canoba and another Belgian band called Sunfjord all out in the next few days. So do subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.